The Examine Life podcast, discussing society, culture, philosophy to entertain ourselves and perhaps others. John, what do you want to talk about today? All right. So, you guys, I just have a lot of concerns about the, like the cell phone. And yeah, social media is, is an aspect of the cell phone, but the cell phone in itself, I've uh, kind of consider like I have this analogy of a black hole, right, of life, because it, it, uh, it seems to be sucking the energy, the life and the light out of, of, of many people. And um, I'm not, you know, I'm not here to um, like ridicule. I'm here as a concerned uh, citizen and member of society, a concerned human being. And I'm not exempt of these these impulses that are being created, that are that the cell phone is really um, creating this great gravitational pull, uh, pull and force that really, it feels like we're becoming more and more dependent on it. Um, and it just worries me, man, because I just see it so much. I see it all over the place from students to like, to, to parents, right? And um, even to myself sometimes, you know, there's, I, I had to take Facebook off of my, my cell phone because I, I found myself like scrolling through and commenting and doing stuff. And I was like, I don't know, like what, why was I doing that, you know? So basically the reason why I want to do this topic is because I want to understand it better. I want to share my concerns for myself and for others. Um, and there's just a lot to it, you know, from dining to relationships. Um, how is it impacting parenting? How is it impacting our experiences in nature? Um, you know, like our perspectives on the world and, um, you know, a lot of the schemas. Um, and I can get into that in more detail. But then there's physical activity and the quality of information and the paparazzi effect and like new shopping addictions, right? So, I mean, even like food delivery. I mean, it's just, this is my concern is that the, the cell phone is, has been a problem since it came out and it's just getting more and more convenient, but it's making us less and less, I don't know, I don't want to say capable, but, you know, aware of our own abilities of our mind, you know, and uh, I can get into specific details about that later, but um yeah, those are some of the things I wanted to talk about, like nature, right? Like our perspectives, the paparazzi effect and uh, uh, just, you know, food delivery. I mean, there's a lot of things about the cell phone. And I do want to say really quick that it is the most powerful tool, uh, one of the most powerful tools that humans have ever devised. And it has great potential to improve human life. However, we know there's usually two sides to every coin. And uh that my concern comes in with the addictive aspect, the dependency on the tool. So what is the main like damage that you see that the, the, the cell phone and social media, what do you think the main detrimental effects are to the everyday citizen? Uh, socialization, you know, being part of the society, uh, social um, interactions. And I mean, for, for a, a species that is completely dependent on sociality, right? A, our connection to one another, uh, that is like probably the root of all problems is to like break down our social uh, structures. Okay, interesting. I've got like, when I think about this, uh, just a question that just come to mind is like, what is the need that's being fulfilled 
by social media? Is it a need to belong? Is it a need to connect? Is it we're ignoring who we are in the present and wanting to connect digitally? It just, if, if everybody's on social media, um, what is the basic human need that's being met by connecting online? Uh, well, you know, it's just, it has that illusion. I mean, I mean, it's not necessarily an illusion because there is like social interaction. Like right now, in a sense, we're on a social media site. We're on Zoom and uh, we're being allowed to communicate and have great discussions and uh, socialize, right? Share ideas, record. So this is fascinating. It's a wonderful tool. But I think that people have this sense we all, all people need to belong to something, whether it's an idea, to a family, to a group, right? Um, our peers, we need to connect to something or else we just fall apart, I feel. Yep. How do you use uh, social media, Alan? How do you, in, in, in contrast? Uh, yeah, I just feel, I feel like I should just take a step back and let you guys talk for a bit because I'm totally from a skeptical perspective on this one and I, everything you say, I feel like I'm just giving the opposite response to in my head. So I don't feel like I should jump in quite yet. I'm going to distract from the conversation. So I think if I was going to argue on any point, there is, I think if anything, people in their spare time, um, but probably do nothing anyway. So they want to sit down and, you know, go back 20 years, they'll be watching TV anyway. Um, sitting around having conversations with friends, pretty much doing, uh, banal pointless things, which, don't mean it doesn't mean anything anyway. Um, other perspective was it sort of opens up if you're talking about human interaction and um, culture uh, groups, it's sort of opening up sort of uh, the size of cultural groups, you know, what they say we can sort of socialize with, within groups of like 200 people or something, I think in a sociological aspect, anthrop anthropologically. Um, Facebook, people boast, I don't know anything about it because I don't really get on it, but have thousands of friends these days. So I don't really, I'm not social myself, so I don't really have friends, but um, to see on Facebook, people have thousands of friends, I might have 20 or something on there. So uh, I'll yeah, just stay at it for a bit. I'll interject when I feel no, like I can. But I think that's a great, uh, yeah, it's a great uh, contrasting idea because I feel like I'm on the same boat here as John is that I feel like it takes a lot more than it gives. And that time that we have is really precious. But I think that's a great opposing argument that really, perhaps if you're not inclined to use that time, if you don't see that time as precious, you don't see that time as valuable, then doesn't matter what you're doing. And also, like, like you said, it's kind of like actually opening up connections and the possibility of connecting. I think that's a, that's a fair, I think that's a fair argument. Yeah, I definitely am the opposing side, but only from the concept that, that I don't really know. So it's like a skeptical thing. I can't really argue it. If, if you want to sort of talk about it's a, the greatest invention ever, it's like the Gutenberg press or whatever, you know, if you want to compare it to the, the invention of printing or writing or whatever, um, I guess a, it's not the greatest invention ever. Kind of, uh, you think about, I can name other things which are greater inventions, but I guess it is bringing people to, together in a lot of ways. But also I have seen people, as you said, sort of scrolling and I do understand. I, so that's why I want to sort of stay out of it. Um, I think I, I have this lack of empathy or um, connection with what you guys sort of understand. So I feel like I should sort of, I agree with what you're saying, but I don't really understand it. So. I'll stay out of it for a bit. And then when we sort of get a bit deeper, I might add a few ideas. 
Yeah, and we, and we need that perspective, Alan, because like I said, it is a great tool. When the operator is in control of the, 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 the cell phone or, or, you know, whatever, social media, when they are in control, it is a very, very powerful tool. I mean, I can do anything on it. I can do banking. I can do shopping. I can have something sent to my house, anything, you name it except for like an atomic bomb or something stupid like that. But you know what I'm saying? Like anything, Uranium. I can I can send a message from my phone and a, a, a taxi, a motor taxi driver will show up, pick up my passport, take it to immigration, get it updated. He'll bring it back with a Slurpee and a bag of McDonald's. You know, this is, this is what I'm talking about. So I totally agree with the thing about us, Alan and Steve and myself, you guys, is that we were born without cell phones, that we are brains. Uh, we developed without the cell phone. We grew into complete adulthood. So now we see this as this an amazing invention, whereas the new generations, um, it's not an amazing invention. It is not a powerful tool. It is a necessity. It is a requirement to fit in. Right. And, uh, you know, like I said, uh, Alan, I do. I hear what you're saying, because if one can control this and put it down and use it for educational purposes like you do to, you know, do research, which I do, um, or to use it to transfer money where you need to, um, or sometimes Google Maps or or what we're doing now, Zooming, communication. It is a wonderful, wonderful, uh, powerful tool. Um, but my concern lies with the, the people that were born without knowing the world before it. Steven, you got something to add? Yeah, I see that a lot in my students. Like I teach 15-year-old kids and they can't live without their telephones. They're massively addicted to it. It's their identity. Um, it's their image. It's their connection. It's their sense of security. It's their whole lives on that device. And their the brains are wired to constantly be, um, I say to them, I go, guys, put your phones away. And I say to them, it's not your fault. I get it. Okay, if you can't control it, it's fine. I'll control it for you, but it's not your fault. I'm not going to get angry if you're on your phones because I know that I've seen some of you when you're, you're just lazing around, you guys can spend two, three, four, five hours just scrolling on, on social media. Um, and this, this, it's kind of like puts out uh, instinctive biological urges on steroids, the need to belong, the need to fit in, to be accepted. Um, Facebook's kind of dying now in the sense of young people, but Instagram is, is more popular because of the way that it's used, the dynamics, it's not as intrusive. Uh, it's kind of less, it's, it's, it's more impersonal, but I definitely think that something's happening in their brain where they're used to getting more like gratification, dopamine hits, you know, it's all about, you know, getting, uh, getting stimulation and they, you know, young people's brains thrive on that. You know, like I can't sit down and play video games for more than an hour, you know, but my stepson, he can play video games all day and he, he's just, his mind is immersed in that world. So it's, it's something really beautiful about the human mind that can just soak up and experience like a sponge when your brain is in that developing phase. But it's, it's something that I think technology, it, it's like this juggernaut, like of just, it's uncontrollable. They, they, they log in and it, literally hit hitchhikes parts of the brain spirals becomes an addiction and their brains work in a way that they're just completely absorbed lose time of lose track of time and space in a, a, a kind of beautiful way but i feel like the, the the consequence of that is um a lack of awareness a lack of attention a lack of memory gratification a lack of focus 
And I think it does a lot of damage to young people's brains. But I think, you know, I think maybe that's, that's their journey and they have to, they have to, they have to go through that process of maturity as an individual. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know, so I guess we could, we could say that it's everyone's own personal journey, but I mean, Stephen, you're a teacher as am I, and our job is to steer these children in the right direction. That is our job. That is, it's a, it's an ancient profession that has been needed. I mean, they have, I mean, you know, birds teach their children how to fly, you know, fish, their schools of fish, you know, and there's someone teaching the fish how to swim correctly and to feel the current and to avoid predator. Uh, schooling is a natural phenomenon. And if we just leave them to their own devices, they don't have the guidance. The cell phone, social media is driven by um, emotional response, right? Uh, it, the AI is getting so intelligent that it knows how to, um, to to create drama in your life so that you spend more time. And then there's the advertisement advertisements, you know, going on. Uh, the information that they're being uh, exposed to is, you know, you've been through an election cycle and seen what happens on social media. It's the scariest thing you've ever seen. And then, like, the election's over, and within a week, social media, Facebook is back to normal. You know, restaurant dates, travels, baby pics. But then there's the next election cycle and it is fucking vicious. It is disgusting what you see out there. It is hate, it is divisive. And so that is my concern. Like these kids don't know any better. You know, adolescence is what I teach and what Stephen teaches as well, is the time where student, children, human beings, their brain is going through the fastest transformation uh, of their life besides, you know, the, the language acquisition and stuff like this at a very early age. But this is the time, adolescence is the time where the brain is learning decision-making, right? Discipline, um, ethics, stuff like this. And if we don't step in as parents or in, as teachers, we aren't the parents. The, the social media platform is. And that's my biggest concern. I think they need us. Now, to, to go back to Alan, I do believe that some of us are lucky. And, and, and I actually have kids whose parents don't let them bring their cell phones. They're the smartest kids in my class, which is crazy. Like, it's weird how that connects in that way. Uh, and then you have kids also that just don't have the as high of a level of addiction and impulse and compulsion to like grab their phone. Okay, break time. Everybody's running like mad dash to the front of the room to grab their cell phones. It's the first thing they think about the moment they break away. So you guys, there's two sides of it. And I do believe that even some of the new generation is subconsciously aware that there is more to life than this thing. But I would say that that is like a small minority. I would say the masses. I mean, look at this, the, the social media, uh, it's tied into a cell phone. Also, you can play games in the cell phone. Also, you can shop online in the cell phone. It's you can spend your whole life. It's like the precursor to like a metaverse, right? But it's just handheld. So anyways, that's my concern. I want to get some feedback from you guys. But um, yeah, like how, how, how have you seen it? Um, how have you seen it uh, maybe interfere with social interactions? Um, I could pick a specific like parenting. How might it affect parenting or this or that? 
I just want to jump in instead of say, you say teaching is an ancient profession. Um, it's not really. It's like you think of sociology or what do you call it? Uh, socialism and teaching's only really been around for like 150 years, you know, for the common people. So for kids to go to school every day is really only a modern phenomenon. So just sort of that say- would be, That would be like mass education. That would be like, uh, you know, you're talking about basically the factory education machine. I'm talking about teaching in general teaching how to cook soup, teaching how to hunt, teaching how to, what plants are good, what plants are not. Yeah, I'm, I'm disconnecting it from the modern day school kind of idea, you know, the way you do the, okay, so you're sort of taking it back to parental teaching, you know, your parent, parents are guiding you or the, or the family or the culture or the village kind of teaching. So I think it goes a bit, a bit further than just sort of, I think maybe if you want to argue on that perspective, which is sort of say the parents need to be a bit more responsible, but I, I don't think the parents are responsible in the first place to be able to educate in your in your perspective anyway in your ideological methods or concepts yeah that might be fair the parents only have a well they only have a certain amount of well how much control do they really have i guess that's the first question as much as they take as much as they take we only let my son use 40 minutes a day on on the tablet and i sort of I'll play with him. If he wakes me up at six in the morning, I'm like, I'm tired as hell, but I'll go and I'll play with him because I sure. know it'll, it'll take him away from the tablet. And then but, when he, you know, I, I grew up, I was put in front of the TV watching Star Wars and all that crap. So there's no different. Yeah, sure. But when he's 15 years old, are you still going to restrict his Facebook time to 40 minutes? Yeah, probably. No, no, not 40 minutes, but it'll be like somewhere, you know, it'll be like, I'll understand there's a certain amount of time which is allocated to that and there'll be a certain amount of time which will be allocated to, you know, I'll, I'll teach him historical concepts and philosophical concepts. So I'll be different to most parents. But most people, I think, you know, they're too tired or too um, in their own world to worry about spending time with their own kids. And, you know, like I will, you know, with pain, spend time with my son to make sure he doesn't waste his time on the tablet. Um, I'll be tired, but I'll still... You know, if you look at the floor now, there's toys everywhere. I've been playing since yeah, five thirty this morning. Uh, how but most old? people, it's it's easier. He's four years old. It's easier for me just to say, "Go watch the tablet." I'll go back to sleep. But I. But it's, isn't it as insane that he's four years old and already has a tablet? Like no, you're... because no, no, because when I was a kid, my mom would have put me in front of Star Wars or something like that. Right. And just shut up and go watch the TV all day. And so that takes me back to the idiot box. You know, every time there's a new technology, it sort of says this new technology is going to ruin the world. The radio was one of them. I guess the telegram might have been one of them too. It's like this new modern technology is going to um, destroy the world. And it's a, you know, <laughs> catastrophe kind of thing. Yeah. But maybe uh, the, the telephone is a, a new reckoning force. Like, as John mentioned, you can do a lot with the telephone and you can. You can form an identity, you can create friends, you can date, you can buy things. It's, it's, it, it does a lot. It, it actually fills in a lot of the gaps. Um, that, Graham Bell. Sorry? Alexander Graham Bell. I don't know. 50 years ago. The first I don't know. phone. You know, okay. That would have been modern technology. So. Well, with a telephone, you know, you don't need to go out and date. You can, you can find a date online. You know, like, so these new, these older technologies, yes, they impacted us, but the telephone is able to encompass a lot more, you know, taking this back to the adolescent, you know, in my class with my students, basically we, we mandate, we, you know, we obligate them to pay attention. 
and we we obligate them to put that put that tech you know that technology away. They're still using their computers. They're still on Facebook. They're still on WhatsApp. But we basically say to them, listen, while you're in the classroom, this is a learning environment, and we want you to focus and and get as much as you can out of this class. You know, you have your time for learning, and you have your time for sports, and then then you have your downtime. But I, I think it's a really hard case to make to a 15 year old. It's like, okay. Now you've been to school for six hours, you know, or eight hours. Okay. You've played sport. You've done, you know, your responsibilities as a young person, you've done your homework. You have a brand new iPhone 11 or 12 or whatever. Um, we're going to restrict that for an hour. It's, it's going to be a really hard case to make for a teenager to, to take away that sense of um, that control, especially for a device that's so powerful that connects them with the rest of the world. So I don't know. It's, it's, I, I feel like there's two things here, but, uh, you know, really simply it's, we got to teach kids, you know, to, I guess as an answer or solution, you got to teach kids to take responsibility for that time uh, that they're spending on their telephones and how they use their telephones. Right. If we're not teaching them to be critical thinkers and to take responsibility, and then they just decide to burn that amount of time, well then um, it's really their lives ultimately. And they're already feeling it, you know, their obligations in other aspects, you know, when social media is used as a way in politics to stir emotion, create hatred, and it's a little bit different, but you know, that's a different tangent that we can go on. But I feel like just for a teenager, they're talking to their friends all the time, all the time on these devices, you know, they're putting pictures up about who they want to be. They're wearing a mask over a mask, over a mask, you know, and, I don't think it's fair. I don't think it's reasonable for you to say, okay, you know, um, you need to limit your time on, on your telephone for a 15 year old kid. I think it's reasonable to say anything for, for your own um, perspective, I guess your worldview, but like my, why my wife sort of saying, you know, limit your time on the, on the tablet while she's there all night watching the, the, the phone like this so close to her face, you know, I guess, you know, I don't understand that world. Like I, I say, Mickey, you can watch your videos now. I'm going to go read. I'll go, you know, sit in the lounge there and I'll have the tablet. But I, for me, the tablet is um, scribed or uh, Kindle. And I love that because when I read, I can easily, you know, click on the, the word that I don't know and easily find the, the, the dictionary entry rather than put the book down and go find the dictionary, pick up the dictionary. And that's a pain in the ass. But, um, you know, it's one thing to sort of say it's a bad thing while you're doing it at the same time. You know, it's a, it's a really bad thing to to watch the tablet all day, but my wife does it too. So you guys are seriously innocent, um, you know, <laughs> casting the first stone, telling this generation of kids not to be on Facebook and all that kind of stuff, because I'm, I'm not really, but I don't understand it. So I find it hard to criticize it. Well, I'd like to say something to that thing about sitting in front of Star Wars. The difference between the phone, uh, the Alexander Bell, phone <laughs> and uh, the television is it's stationary it does not go in your pocket it does not exit it's one position you have to go sit there and plus these on tv the 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 commercials weren't tailored to you specifically it was mass uh it was like just these few big companies that can make a few advertising and a lot That's, of it didn't apply to children. A lot of chamber. it was mostly focused and at our targeting parents and consumers. But now, now, I mean, this is something that's in your pocket. So yeah, you could talk on the phone, um, you know, but it was conversation. It was discussion. You had to wait and pause and listen. You had to 
When you had a moment, you spoke. There is an interaction there that is very social. It's respectful. People didn't just blah, 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 blah. No, they stopped and they listened to each other. A TV, Star Wars is a story. That's wonderful. Stories are great. Okay, so it's like a, you were not being targeted in the same regard that you are now. Now, there's this one little, just say like a TV in your pocket, but it's not a TV. It is a gaming system. It is a social media uh, menage, a twab, different, all sorts of different types of social media. And then it is an advertising tool. And so I think there's no connection between you sitting in front of the TV and the cell phone, because we're talking about completely different technology. And the cell phone is, a, I would say a thousand times, if not a million times, more powerful than a television. Television is just programs, articles, stories, right? It's, and yes, it's the lazier form of getting your stories, but there's still stories. And it's not someone targeting you, picking on you. The TV never said, hey, Alan, why are you sitting down watching TV? No, but cell phones do. Social media is extremely destructive. People on so in real life, when we interact with one another, we see the ups, the downs, the sideways, the tears, the blood. We see everything. On social media, you do not see any of that. So it is a false reality. People just put their good times, right? There's one or two. There are people that complain and cry on social media, but it is so rare. And people don't follow those people. So they kind of like drift away. So, you know, I... I'm going to give you one quick concrete example. I used to work as a waiter and I was in Juneau, my hometown. And one of our, um, what do you call the lady at the, the host? She was so happy. It was a great day. Everything was good. We were busy, good time. She's laughing. And I go and I get a hamburger, bring it back, drop it off a table, go back to the front to see the reservation came. And she is depressed. Her whole, her whole day is shattered. And I'm like, whoa, 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 what happened, right? And she's like, ah. and then she told me what happened. Guess what? She wasn't having fun. Her friends were out taking pictures of the great times that only exist uh, on social media. And she felt like she was missing out. People or kids especially, are and adults, trust me, adults too, even older adults, um, are comparing themselves to this fictitious world that doesn't really allow for the true human condition to come through. The, the blood, sweat, and the tears, the hardship, the miscommunication, the misunderstanding, the arguments, the fighting, it doesn't allow for that. It, it, it really censors it down to this fake reality that, oh my God, everybody's always traveling to beautiful places. I can't believe they eat steak and crab every single day. <laughs> they don't. So that was my example. Like it shattered this girl. And I see it every day at school. Kids getting depressed at school uh, because they don't have the life that somebody else has. People don't appreciate their life on the same level, I don't think. Now, this is excluding. So I, I do want to apologize. I'm being emotional and I'm getting my, my, my opinions out there. But I do want to say that I could be drawn into this as well. Um, and that... Um, yeah, I feel like I'm being a little too forceful and I don't want to dissuade anybody from listening to this situation. I just, it scares me. That's all I want to say is it scares me and I'm very concerned, especially for our youth. You know, we have a choice and we know the alternative. 
many kids under the age of 20 do not know the alternative. And then that goes back to parents, right? A lot of my students' parents are 34 years old. So they were in early adolescence when they got their cell phones. So it's, you know, like, it's, it's complicated, man. And then we have you and me playing on our phones, educating ourselves, but then we tell our kids, okay, that's enough. And, and they'll say, oh, but you're always on your tablet. See, we don't know that it's a book, that it's an educational source. Their interpretation is what they use it for. And they, they, they don't really grasp the concept that we're using it for something totally different than they are. Mm. So, so anyways, that's some of my uh, I feel like fire inside I had to share with you guys. Stay on one topic, you know, like talk about your parents taking control of their kids, you know, you're saying that Star Wars is no different to, uh, sorry, Star Wars is a lot different to Facebook and, sorry, social media and stuff. Of course it is. But my single argument was, as a parent, we have control over our kids. And um, what, by me being lazy and not getting up at 5.30 when my kid gets up to, you know, just go watch the TV, you know, I'm sort of shirking my own responsibility um, for, for looking after my kids, I think. Yeah, I hear you. So, yeah, it's it, it, so I, um, we can get into the other level. Yeah, but the other level that, and of a lot social of, media and a lot of parents can, do I, that. We, yeah, a lot of parents use social media as as babysitting, and then it becomes out of control because I saw a, a family in the airport not too long ago, and the kid was screaming because you know, the mom gave her the phone and she was watching some videos and the mom decided to take the phone off her and she was distraught. Like, it's just like, I was really angry. I'm like, this mom is giving her kid the phone and the kid's screaming, causing, you know, of course she's going to be screaming, right? Um, but- Sometimes you I, have to though. Yeah, and there's, I think we have to be, depending on the age, right? Different levels of control, but we got to teach our kids and our students to, to, take, to, to maybe see this through, the lenses that we're providing now in this environment. Like the fake reality is very real at the moment. Everything on social media is about how you look, about um, life hacks, about, um, you know, about luxury, living good, you know. Um, Beneficial things. Well, yeah, like it's all about opulence and, and you know, getting that Ferrari and, and, and winning in capitalism, right? And then the, the, the that's, that's a fake reality, not to mention body image. Like you look at, Women, young women that are famous on social media, they look a certain way, young men, that's going to mess with your head if you think that everybody looks like that. Um, you've also, you know, as humans in the part of belonging, we have this, we, we want to seek approval from other people too. So people are posting stuff that, you know, it's going to get them popularity and they're going to be accepted by the group. And that's extremely harmful too. Like our generation, we don't care what's on Facebook, right? We don't care. Mm, we, we do, we do. I think what? we've just come to a point where we've kind of looked at it so enough to understand and we've realized on our own, or we've had someone else say it and we realized, hang on, all we're seeing is the happy times. And we realize that person isn't always happy. So we've come to that realization. Well, so it's our responsibility me, to actually pass that on to the next generation too. Well, let me rephrase is that I don't care uh, how people view me on Facebook. You and I don't that though. That, well, I think, I, I think as growing up being an adult, and then having uh, social media come into our lives later, we're able to detach ourselves from that identity. But the danger is when you're a young person and you haven't, you know, you think that your identity is that, right? People, young girls commit suicide uh, because of social media. Young girls have body image problems because of mm -hmm. social media. People, mm -hmm. uh, there is more that I, from what I've read, higher rates of depression because of social media. So 
you know, this, this attachment to ourselves and our identity and young people having this need to wanting to fit in being, being accepted, looking for approval, developing their identity. It can be extremely harmful, but I'd, at the same time, I don't know if you can take their phones away and that's the, the solution. I'd say it doesn't cause it, but it, it augments it. It makes it worse. So it's why, why, why can't the parents, like I teach my son every day philosophy. So every day I'll remind him not to harm people, not to hurt people, always to look after people. Spider-Man, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. So as you say, John, shouldn't, shouldn't the parents kind of be responsible to their kids? We take this ancient profession back and say, shouldn't the parents just, just say every day to the kids, you realize that what, you, what you're looking at is uh, you know, not quite real. It's yeah. Kids another re- reality. I, I, I really going to strongly disagree with you here, Alan, adamantly and respectfully, because hmm. man, when your kid is 15 years old, like he's going to he, young children do two things. Their, their prefrontal cortex is not developed. So they want to take risks. They want to do um, adventure. They want to have adventure. They want to basically, they want to rebel and no amount of wisdom and rational thought and advice is going to stop a kid from doing stupid shit. So like you might be trying to be a good parent and guiding them, but man, a 15 year old kid is going to be like, what do you know, old man? Let me, you know, like this is going to push you away because um, kids are, kids want the freedom to do whatever they mm-hmm. want. And I, I, I agree feel, with that. Yeah. I feel like you can, you can, you can share your guidance and your wisdom with them. But ultimately, I feel like a 15-year-old kid you know, is going to have to move through that emotions and awareness by themselves to a degree. I think we all do. But I think also parents shirk the responsibility at the same time. You know, they're not yeah, there. So or, I, no, they're, I, no I, they shirk, but they're not wise enough in themselves. You know, we all, we're all talking about how smart we are and we know we have the answers and be aware or my side is you know, a bit more skeptical. But um, I think most people out there go through all this crap anyway you know you're saying that social media causes suicides no it's just augmenting that reality you know but i went through a hell of a time at high school as well um i couldn't imagine what it's like these days with the way social media is and sort of keeping up with that sort of as you say the ideal kind of concept and um chinese whispers or that that kind of crap that goes on at the same time i gotta get in here man like yeah you you're saying it doesn't have an effect. Yeah, I'm looking at the uh, National Institute of Health. You said it doesn't cause it, but it mm. augments it. Well, and so I'm looking right now at the FCC, uh, the National Institute of Health, and UNESCO. And all three of them say there's a direct correlation to the increase, a dramatic increase in anxiety depression, which ultimately leads to suicide. So I put those links in our document. Uh, It's important to read those, but they are definitely connected. And not only that, there's also, there's a strong connection to cancer now being made. And I know everything, we can say everything causes cancer, but hey, the more things causing cancer, the more likely, right? So there is a direct correlation. this increase. depression, this this comparing ourselves to others is um, not, I mean, it is normal because that's what we do. And as Stephen was saying, uh, at the age of 15, we they don't care what we think. They don't. It's not about us. It's not about their teachers. It's not about God. It's not about anything. It's about their peers. So they're learning from that age. They're, they just want to impress 15-year-olds. 
adults and 14 year olds who don't know what's good for them. This is a fact, right? It's, it's, it's the, we, the kid clings to the family, the parents until adolescence. And as soon as adolescent comes, physical change comes, big changes come, uncertainty, everything they know goes away. It's a new, it's a new beginning. And they start to become more dependent on the herd. Now this is natural. This is important because this is how they build social connections. This is how they find their role within society. However, they have to be trained how to think and to be rational. And they, they have to be learned to keep their uh, risky behavior in check. Um, and this is through like decision-making and goal setting. And this only adults can guide children. So just remember at 15, they're not going to be listened to us anymore. I mean, they might, some of them do a little bit because they've been trained because they have good people around them, good parents, good grandparents who say, listen to your teachers, listen to your elders, your elders. Okay. So there are kids, but more and more and more, it's getting worse. Adolescence is becoming more rebellious against society, against the norms and becoming more like they, like they have the answers to everything that they know what is, um, well, what is the truth, I guess, and what they need to do to, to, to be successful. But we all know that gaming all day or TikToking, well, you know, the success rate for that is pretty darn low. Mm, my biggest argument, oh, argument, but I'd say the echo chamber for me would be a big aspect, which sort of is harmful for me that I can kind of see directly, like, affects me directly as well as like being on YouTube or whatever. And sort of, as you say, through the election cycles and things like that, I feel like what they say, the phone even listens to you, you know, kind of thing. It's, it seems to, to me to be actual, that's the case because I'd say something and then you get like an ad for that thing in your, in your phone later on that day. So if you're talking about, you know, we're all influenced by our peer group and sort of drawn in by the people that sort of are around us and influence, influence us in that direction. So I'm not going to argue that, it's harmful to the kids, but yeah, I'd say the adults probably aren't as wise as they think they are, you know, and maybe, you know, people, as you said, people aren't all going to sort of be as pedagogical with their kids and guide them, you know, as they should. But I don't think, I think in, in that case, those people are probably just as ignorant and they probably are probably going to suffer the same things as, as the kids would, you know, they wouldn't be far beyond the kids in that case, I don't think. Yeah, there's a lot of expectations on parents to use phones too. So it is, there is, there is a great change happening. And you're right, I agree um, that there are a lot of, there's a lot of ignorance even with adults. Um, but this is why I was talking more about the cell phone rather than social media was because like our jobs require us to, and now they contact us after hours. Not too long ago, you'd go home and that was it. They would rarely call you on your Alexander Graham Bell phone <laughs> at 7 p.m. But now they're sending text messages out at 8 p.m. And they expect you to know that at 7.30 a.m. when you arrive. It is expected that you're checking your line account every single day. You've got to be monitoring that because if a message comes out, you better catch it. So parents are being driven into it as well. My wife, dude, she gets so much communication outside of work. And I'm like, dude, like, just, just put the phone down, ignore it, turn it on mute. We're at the park with our son. We come here twice a month. We live in a concrete jungle. This is the most special day event of the month. 
let's let's put that thing away. They're not going to fire you, but there's this need, this sense of urgency. We're worried that we'll be judged by our employers for not checking the mail immediately and responding under in the shade in a park in the middle of nature, like we're text messaging. And you can't do that shit in Alaska, dude. You'll be fucking mauled by a mountain lion, dude, or a bear, dude. Like, I mean, it's, you know, it's so, so you're right, Alan. The, the parents, a lot of them are ignorant too. And, I, and it's not because they're dumb people. No way. A lot of them are just as intelligent as any of us. And uh, they're okay. just sucked into the black hole. This yeah, is vulner- vulnerable, force. I think is the word. They're vulnerable. This is a black hole of life. It is sucking everything into this one device in our hand. And it's it's causing stress for, and anxiety for everyone. Well, John, you have to look at why the phone exists and then who makes money from it, right? I think that that's what I tell my students sometimes. It's like that phone benefits when you spend as much time as possible on there and you're exerting your energy. And then basically it's used as a huge advertising device to buy stuff, right? That's why it really exists. And that's where the money is because of advertising. That's let's be really clear. And like even big companies like Google, they give schools free accounts and, you know, they find a way to trap you in and to, to just soak you. you, They want your time. They want your energy. Um, The social media dilemma explains it really well. All the algorithms work to manipulate your biology based on your emotional drives. That's the direct connection. So what drives you emotionally, socially, they use that information to give you their echo chamber, give you uh, in, in, like the same information in your own echo chamber. They give you the ads that, that you're most likely to buy products. The objective is to keep you glued to that telephone. And it's very, very, very successful. And it's incredible when you look at social media like the way social media works, like TikTok, I never really thought TikTok would be successful. Like a lot of times it's just people like dancing or doing like it's, it's evolved. Right. But you think about that, like if you can just watch or Instagram, you're just looking at a picture and then just like looking at it for like two seconds and looking at another picture. Right. And you just keep doing that again and again and again, and your brain just soaks it up because there's so much stimulation, but ultimately it's, it's just a huge, um, it, it exists and it's so powerful because it's a product that gets you to buy things. I guess I'm so removed from this. That's why I don't really get it. Like, as you said, the whole scrolling thing, I do not understand it. Like I've been caught on a few videos and it's like just people like us or any every, everyday individuals creating crazy videos, which look like it's like a coincidence happened or something. I think the last one that I sort of got caught on, got sucked into the black hole, the wormhole or whatever. Um, and I scrolled on the two videos and the one that I saw was a lady's walking down the street and, uh, must be South America or something. And she's got a handbag and two guys jump off a bike, struggle with her to get the handbag. So she throws it away and then she goes and she goes and jumps on their bike and then she rides away on their bike. It's like, got him, you know, it's like, uh, that's obviously fake and I haven't got time for this crap, but most people, my age, my mom, you know, you're attacking this, like, um, everyone's above it but you know as you said you go through these stages of life where you look up up to people so you go from your parents to your peer group to teachers or to whoever you idolize or want to worship or think have all the answers which i don't agree we have we have um that i think most people my mom would fall into that group you know she'd easily sit back at 70 you know growing up through the depression or whatever um or world war ii um it wouldn't be hard for her to 
watch that video and go, oh, what's next? Just keep feed it up, you know, put it on the plate, keep on bringing it up, put that sushi train, bring, give, just give me, waste my time, please. That's all I want. I, I feel like it's distracting us from the moment because we don't want to be in the moment somehow and we're lacking, um, we're lacking something of importance in the moment and we want to be somewhere else. So I feel like my- for... For a lot of us, it's like, okay, I'm doing this job. I don't really like doing it. Um, okay, I, and now I need a break. I need a break and I need a distraction. Or, um, and I feel like if, if, people, if people were in a situation where they're really, and it's not, it's not real, it's, it's, it's an unrealistic expectation because we're in it never, it's not really possible. But if we're in an environment where we actually want to be around the people physically we're around or taking that telephone call or at the park, um, then we would be less distracted by our phones because we would be embracing that moment and we wouldn't, we're not lacking something within ourselves. But I feel like I use my phone. Like I like to follow things that kind of motivate me, inspire me, uh, educate me a little bit, but sometimes I use my phone to, to scroll. And when I'm drained and I want to drone out and I haven't got an energy to do anything else, I'll just kind of like scroll. And that's just like me just wanting to switch off. Um, but I would never, ever, ever like, I, w- I wouldn't want to be in a, in a job where I'm like working at a fruit shop, which I've done. And then you go, oh, I hate my job. And uh, if I get 10 minutes to sit on a box and scroll through the phone, because I don't really want to be here, I would feel really, um, I, I, I would be saddened inside if I felt like what's that. The, what's the difference though? You just, okay, go back 30 years, you go outside, sit on a fruit box and uh, smoke a cigarette. And just be blank minded, just be in the present. Is that is that better? You know, like I think what would we be doing otherwise? So you gotta remember we can't go back. We've the waves come this far and we're never gonna recede. We can't go backwards. If we do, it's the, the dark ages or whatever. That may happen, whatever. Um it's the second law of thermodynamics, if you wanna argue on that in that sort of premise. Um, but what would we be, be, be we be doing otherwise? And if you go back through history, um, you think of people's sleep cycles when, when it gets dark, you just go to bed, you know? There's and I think light. that's a great, I think that's a great question. Um, and I've seen pictures on the, on the, on the subway, like on the train and people are all just reading a newspaper, ignoring everybody else. Um, I think it kind of forces you to be a bit more in the moment and you can't be as distracted. And I think that it doesn't suck you into that black hole, so to speak. Um, feel like reading newspapers any better, but not really. You're still looking for a distraction. Ultimately, it's it's whether it's but the the difference I guess between the newspaper and the telephone, um, the telephone can suck you right in where you're just so uh, immersed in that world, um, nothing really else matters, and your brain is literally taking you somewhere else. And I I think that's not necessarily good or bad. It's just a reality, but it's it's really taking you out of that. Um, literally, at where you are physically doesn't even really matter anymore, and that's kind of a little bit scary, but really is it that different no you know really it's not because if you were in a situation where you were enjoying your time and energy and you had you know you didn't have the need to be distracted uh, you would be you wouldn't pick up the phone and use it in that way in the it's in the first logical place progression logical progression of society you know through technology and social progress you know things have to change we can't we're not always going to stay back in um 
Well, looking at immersive, the thing is, it's just being immersed in that world. And and when I was reading articles about the metaverse, like that's like next level shit, right? When you're going to be totally able to just put on a headphones. And I think even that will adapt to like actually lenses in our eyes and glasses. And you can literally go into another world where time and space doesn't matter, right? And you, it becomes so real. Our brain thinks it's real. And I don't know if, if you're aware of making that decision and, and, going into that world and spending your time in that way. And there's plenty of ways that the metaverse is going to be productive. Um, I think we'll be able to enhance our lives, but the problem with new technologies is not the technology. It's people. We, we always, it's going to bring out the best and the, the, the worst in our humanity. And, you know, there's already articles about how women have been gang raped on online um, in the in the in the virtual world, and there's all crazy stuff that's happened already. But you know, it's we like, can we that fight one, it? That, that article got me. So she got gang raped in that article. I didn't read it, so I can't really speak to too much of it. But why would the people that created that platform allow that sort of situation to happen? So I feel like this we're sort of getting to the level of our last two podcasts, you know, on Plato, you know, exiting the cave and what is justice kind of thing. So is this reality? everything we see is it real so is it really make any difference what we do with our time how we spend the time is, is it benefiting the people around us is it just is it good for the people uh, yeah well, well, to answer, to answer, yeah to answer your question she basically didn't activate the security settings in, in the virtual reality so she went in and she had probably lots of settings that were open and then she was able to be um, let's say sexually harassed there's no sensors on your body obviously at this point in virtual reality so it wasn't like people were able to touch her um, in weird kind of ways that were freaking out I think of a lot of it was verbal and, and a lot of it felt um, yeah a lot of it felt like she was being uh, sexually harassed but you know it doesn't really matter like you know honestly mm. I, I think if it only really matters to yourself I think if, if your idea of yourself as a citizen and, and how you want to spend your time and who you want to be um, doesn't include someone that wants to waste or, or invest lots of time through that outlet, then, then I think, um, that, you know, and, and you choose not to, and that's how you want to live your life. It's kind of like drinking, you know, if you want to Sorry. drink, you know, drink, if you don't want to drink, it's, it's really a personal choice and reflection of your ideological uh, version of yourself and what you expect out of the world. My problem with that article or whatever you were saying is first, I didn't read it. So I don't know her perspective or what she's language she's used to say, you know, obviously she hasn't connected herself up to some weird body suit where she could physically be interacted with um, in some way through the matrix or whatever. But um, what would the people who actually created this site create the ability to make let people be raped is kind of weird to no think. no yeah. like a, a lot it, of the metaverse at the moment from what i've seen is just you can you can see metaphorical you can see an avatar of yourself and you can create different types of avatar depending on how realistic you want it to be um it's only like half body and it's basically you you log in and you can you can see and you sometimes uh, i think you have um hand movements and and hand functionality sworn. Yeah, she was just swarmed and overwhelmed by probably a lot of uh, sexual verbal um, abuse. Mm. So, yeah. but you know, you can see. I, I do like the concept there where you sort of talk about, think about 
the ring of ring, ring of gaijis and you know what people would do if no one was watching you know to me that sort of speaks to the concept of justice well some of these about. rooms are going to be exactly like that where you're going to be able to go into a metaverse room and it's going to be like i think just free for anything goes and that's going to be dark and crazy and scary for people because if you imagine that no you went into consequences a room, there's no consequences so you can be whoever you really want to be or whoever you really are and that's crazy, right? And then you can be in metaverse kind of rooms where it's kind of like you are, uh, it'll be restricted, it'll be controlled, it will be, you know, you, you won't be able to even say certain things. You can like literally black mirror block people type scenario and just, you know, wipe that person out. I think we'll get to that. Um, I love you know, that but, idea. Yeah, but you, you got to remember as well, like imagine it's- it's but that could kill someone, yeah. Well, imagine the, the positive things of this as well. Like you're going to have a meet, you'll be able to have a meeting with people and you're gonna be able to see avatars of all the people that you work with basically feel like you're in a, in a physical meeting with these people connect share mm. ideas um you know communicate at that level it's you know in the 3d level in that immersive level people have said it feels completely real so you know if, if you're concerned now about social Isn't media reason why it shouldn't be well exactly and, and it's that's already there right like but what I'm real. what I'm saying is that the next step of um, technology is going to drastically change the way that we interact with each other mm. and the way our brains function. And Kinda, it can go, it, yeah, and it can go it, it, because of who we are. It's, it's not the the problem is of who we are. Like if you look at social media and the the politics stuff, like. It's, it's who we are already as humans. Like, I feel like, you know, I could make a, a comparison with, um, what do you call it? Sign language. I feel like we should attack sign language because, you know, the way they've developed in the past 200 years, you know, we don't like the way they can communicate. So I'm saying just, just the way the universe sort of changes, it changes. We have to kind of, it's almost like a measurement. It's like we're sort of showing us who we really are as people, as you said, with this this virtual reality chat room situation. Um, if you look at it through platonic eyes, it's like these people haven't been educated properly. So at least we can sort of see what people, how they behave when they aren't being seen. You know, we, we need to educate these people outside of the digital sort of re reality. It's kind of going to be a, a dualistic kind of kind of concept we have our life online our life offline so we've got to realize who we are in these two realms and um i'm not going to say it's right or wrong but um we have to sort of figure it out and work work through it you know well let me ask john this question because i think it, it's a fair question like do you do you think john that people are emotionally socially uh ethically responsible enough to use you know like the metaverse you know, you know metaverse kind of interactions in ways that will be mostly productive and positive, or do you think it's it's just going to be a complete mess if it wasn't kind of regulated? I definitely think there's going to have to be regulations put into place, just as there have been in social media and other areas. Um, but you know, like this discussion of the metaverse could go on for a long time. It's a new frontier. And we've seen what happens on new frontiers from America to Australia to India. We see that this, this new frontier, this lack of regulation always leads to genocide, to oppression, to raping of lands and peoples. And it's gonna be like this, you guys, it's a new frontier, it's unregulated. I'll use America, but it's happened everywhere. Um, 
everywhere, uh, you know, and I'll use America as an example, you know, uh, you have a bunch of uh, English and Europeans coming to escape oppression and find opportunity. And what happens is they find this grandiose frontier and they want to make it their own. And there's a lack of law and um, ethics, right, going into this because it's just like an explosion of migration. And then there's going to be conflict, right, of ideas. And then there's going to be bullying um, and then hurting. And then ultimately, you know, in a virtual land, I don't know if you can kill people, but they'll just kill themselves. Themselves, right? Uh, you can just oppress them enough to the point where they're just going to jump ship. Um, so, you know, I, I do believe there should be a lot of regulation. Um, I am so glad that I'll be dead before the time this is fully developed. Um, I really worry about my son in this new world. Um, I would pull the plug if I could. If I was God, <laughs> I'd pull the fucking plug. Well, of, of so, of social, me social media or the metaverse or just all of it? All of it. Yeah, okay, so you're seeing that you're seeing it's mainly a force of evil, then in the sense, like a, or a detrimental well, I wouldn't force. Say it's, okay, you got to remember that you know, evil and good come together. I mean, you can't have one without the other, and so it's gonna it's gonna be there. You know, it's gonna evil will triumph, and then good because of human reactions, people will start to catch on, kind of like us having this discussion about the phone in general, if people start to worry, people start to think, okay, something really bad is actually happening. And that's when the regulations start to come in, right? Um, but yeah, I see it, you know, I always believe that evil and good are in this fight together. And they're always, it's like, you know, a house, it's stacked against itself, right? And that way there's balance. Um, but obviously there's always a rise on one side or the other, right? It's like a teeter-totter, you know, or a pendulum swinging. Um, and yeah, I'm scared because, you know, in the metaverse, like in social media and on the metaverse, less people see how you're treating other people, right? And there's there aren't like parents slapping you upside the head for being an asshole. There aren't, you know, uh, you know, like I you know, used to, I was not a fighter in school, but I hated bullying and bullying stopped whenever I was around, no matter how big the person was, because I just couldn't handle it. I was like, I felt like I was being bullied. If someone else is being bullied, this won't happen. You won't have people that can actually stand up for other people physically. So people will be isolated in their own little box being attacked and nobody can get in to help them. That is, that is my greatest fear. And, uh, you know, like you said, there will be benefits to it. There will be greatness to it. Um, uh, great experiences could be had. Maybe friendships could be made. Um, but I don't know, man. I don't like what I'm seeing. I don't like this absence of social um, dependency, this absence of social responsibility. Um, it's already begun. Like students are constantly being bullied, right? You know, they have pictures, my students have pictures of me with like horns on my head and like, you know, from Zoom, they just, they just screenshot everything and then they draw pictures and make me look stupid. I don't give a shit because I'm a 42 year old man and these are kids, really confused kids. So I don't care. But like we said earlier in adolescence, they've jumped, they've left the nest. They've left the nest. They are now trying to gain love, attention um, from their peers. You know, they're trying to be accepted by their peers and they're being bullied, you know, and it's, it, it, it's, it's crazy. Like, I think that if I was 15 years old and I saw the pictures that I've seen of me, um, uh, that my students drew of me, I think that I'd be shattered.
because I don't understand. I don't know. And I'm trying to gain the acceptance of them. Right. Um, and they're I, like, I don't need the acceptance from my students. I'm sorry. I just don't care. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I love, I care for them. I care for them and I want what's best for them. And I want them to enjoy my classes. Yes. But in the end of the day, do I care how they judge me? Fuck I, no. No I way. Do, do, do 13, 14, 15, 16 year olds care how their peers are judging them? Absolutely. 100%. It's scientific fact. It's biological. It's survival. Uh, they need to be accepted by their peers. And there's no social accountability with this. You can attack people with no repercussions. And then it's funny. And everybody's laughing. And that's not good. That's evil. I'm, I'm really worried about my son sort of going through school and dealing with it. As I said before, like I can't imagine how I would have dealt with this situation um, I've always kind of been like a rogue, so I was always outside of that I've situation. And I know a couple of guys now in their early 20s who, you know, don't have a phone. You know, they just don't carry a phone there of that kind of ilk or whatever the hell it is, um, sort of mindset. Um, I do kind of worry that my son might have troubles dealing with interacting with people, as you said, with peer pressure and being attacked and constant, as you said, 24 hour a day. I, I can, I, I don't know. My, 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 I think the problem is it's here. We can't do anything about it. So, you know, getting angry about it doesn't really help. Um, anger is okay. Um, hate, I guess the argument is, is it isn't, but, um, we have to deal with it. So I think since it's here, rationalize it to talk as you said he's not going to listen to me but if every parent told their kids every day you know it's not real mate put it down for 20 minutes we're going to go for a walk or whatever if every parent did that it would make a difference but i think it's societal in general um i'd argue that you know when the radio first came out or the tv first came out i think john you'd be in the same exact situation as, as you are now doomsday it's the end of the world you know technology is going to ruin everything well, you don't know. Well, you know, we I, don't, know. I don't think so we because don't, it, don't it's, not, it's not interactive. You can't, you can't go back and tell the TV you're stupid. You can't go to the radio and look at the radio and interact with it and say, oh, your, your, your talk show is so stupid, man. Yeah, and everybody's listening. No, you couldn't do that. It was a one-way channel. Now it's an interactive channel and they can push your buttons and they want you to respond because that engages you, can, you. I can go back and say, I'm I've just... I was written this letter. I don't think I would be a doomsday person. You know, I am I, you know, I've not I'm not a doomsday person. This is a real issue, dude. And uh you know, I'm not you know, I would it's not a conspiracy, it's a science. I mean, it's being proven all around us. I mean, my grandma, the my son's grandma, she scrolls because her granddaughter always wants her to look at these ads and these videos on social media. So you have older people getting sucked into this too, because they want to be good parents and, you know, they want to give attention well, to their kids. They enjoy but it. Yeah, man. Like I, I would have, I would have never seen the radio. I guess you could say like 1984, right. Orwell was saying that this was the voice, right. The radio and the TV. Oh my God, they're going to control everybody. But here's the difference you could turn it off, right? Like, and you can say you can turn off your phone, but you can't, I can't, Stephen can't. He has to be, he has to be available for his employment. He has to be available for his wife. He has to, I do, right? I, there, I, I'm being forced to use this device. Now, thank God I kind of have control over it, 
but I don't think that the new generations do. And I don't think they comprehend this, um, the, the force that we're dealing with. So, um, you know, I just, I just don't see that like a box that sits in one room that's too big and too heavy to carry around with you. I mean, you have to go to the store, right? Everybody has to go to the store to get food. My mom had a TV in the room. market. You got to go to school and your game console stays in your bedroom at home. Your TV stays in your bedroom at home. Your phone stays on the wall at home. Mm. You don't have it when you're interacting with society. Yeah, but now no is, it's, it's there. So, you know, we can say how bad it is, but it's there anyway. So we can keep on saying, you know, go back to and that's uh, why we're having ancient, these ancient days. I've, I've written this letter and I've given it to the guy on the horse and he's taken it for a six month trip. And I can say, I've said something. I can't take that back now. You know, I've communicated that to the outside world. You're saying something about taking something back. I forgot what it was, but you know, it's just, it's all about technology and it is here. So, you know, but uh, let's uh, let, let's let me add to that. Alan is that, yeah, it's here and it's here to stay. And I always go back to the same thing. It's like educating people. Um, and I want to link Joe Rogan in this because it's something that I'm super passionate about. Like everybody's got a voice now, mm. right? Like we've got a voice in this platform. Everybody's got a voice to criticize, say their opinion. And when a voice gets a particular following, regardless of how educated that voice is, it gets a lot of attention. It gets a lot of power and it creates a lot of influence. Now, we, you only are as influenced as you let people influence you. But the problem with, you know, these, these mass genocides and, uh, you know, hate speech and politics, and it's kind of like, you know, people are tapping into this biology and they're allowing them, well, they're, they're purposely getting manipulated by people saying things, doing, uh, saying things, provoking ideas. And, if you're not separating yourself or not thinking about, okay, what's Joe Rogan saying right now? Is he just talking shit for the sake of talking shit? Is he giving his opinion? Because the problem is too, that everyone has a voice, but everyone thinks that they're right. Like one, the, you know, and do mm. you have a level of responsibility to, you know, to be ethical? If you have a voice, you don't, you don't ethically, well, you ethically, yes, you do, but you don't legally have a responsibility. So like, look at how much criticism Joe Rogan's taking right now. He has an episode coming out every day. He has like 1700 episodes on Spotify. Um, you know, he has 11 million people that listen to his shows. He's, I don't think Joe Rogan is that educated from memory, um, but that he has, me. Yeah. yeah, he has a lot of, he has a lot of street cred. He has a lot of common sense. He asks good questions. He, he He's great. He's a great talker. He's, he's a bright man. Um, but at the same time, I'm going to say that if you're not a, an, a critically thinking human being and you listen to Joe Rogan and he's got an opinion, you, you got to be able to separate an opinion from maybe scientific evidence another opinion, reality, mm. and just know that really a lot of this shit, social media and the phone, it should be just entertainment. It shouldn't be something mm. that we're looking oh. at and take as truth. It shouldn't, be, it shouldn't be something that we're looking for depth and nourishment as academic fulfillment and information. It should be taught as kids, like to kids to say that this is nothing, nothing here is really of, of, mm. of, of academic depth. But if you mm. don't teach kids that, um, no, no then you- I hate the fact that everyone goes to Joe Rogan to think that they're intellectual or that's, that's the smart person's way to go now. Oh, I listen to Joe Rogan. Oh, you must be smart because yeah, he's cool. He's smart. Uh, or who's the other guy? Uh, Jordan Peterson. Uh, Jordan Peterson. Yeah, those two guys, you know, that's, that's the epitome, the epitome of um, intelligence these days. Um, I could talk about any enlightenment thinker and no one would know the names that I'm talking about. Everyone knows Jordan Peterson. Um, they're just loud voices. 
they're loud voices and they get a yeah. lot of following because they present their their ideas in a way that's very digestible and you know and they're also you know jordan peterson well let's let's stay with rogan rogan is is very relatable like he's a he's a uh everyday man he's in his 50s he's got a bit of intelligence um but people think that you know his opinion is fact you know it's it's just it's really like you talk you you hear joe rogan talk about his show and he's just like we never mm. thought that it would grow to what it does it's just us shooting the shit really yeah, we think yeah, seriously yeah like you know he's he's just you know they get high they talk shit they're doing this for the, a lot of the they're doing the, the the podcast because they want to do a podcast not because they have mm. to it's not doing it for money like they have enough money um you know i'm sure money is an element now um but previously that wasn't it's it's but you know if 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 we're all getting our information from social media and from Joe Rogan, we're basically, um, I, I I think that's a symptom of another problem. Is like where is good education come from? Where do mm, we get? I think you know where do we where do we nourish the 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 brain or where do we educate kids with the right stuff so they can actually uh, know what they're talking about before they give an opinion about COVID or give an opinion about yeah. immigration. I think there's a healthy level of skepticism that people don't really understand or have. Massively you know, we all lacking. think we we know the truth. We have the answers. So, you know, whatever I think, you know, you've got to question yourself the most. So whatever my opinion is, I'm most judge, judgmental of my own opinion more than of anyone else's kind of thing. But, um, you know, I, I think I stepped out of the, the black hole. I tried to remove myself from watching TV, The Simpsons, when I was 25, 26. Because I remember everyone thought I was smart or intelligent and I realized I wasn't. And I'm like, how do I fool all these people? I remember, I think I got it because people told me, I, I heard one guy say, everyone thinks I'm smart because I watch a lot of documentaries and I know a lot of things that they don't know about. So I talk about the arcane, uh, the eclectic, things that people don't know about and they think I'm smart because of that. And I felt like, well, I don't say it's smart. It's like educated. You've you filled your head with information, which is useful or purposeful or can help you navigate the world and information that you get so you talk about people, people, oh my god conspiracy theories that to me that's yeah uh, a problem with social media um people i remember i think it would happen anyway with or without it but um walking through this pretty uh, affluent suburb in uh sydney north sydney and this I was cracking a joke about COVID when it first came out and this lady laughed at me and she said, ha, 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 COVID, you know, it's a virus. It's not real. It's dead. It's dead. It can't do you know do what, do you know what's you. dead? Do you know what's dead? The books are dead. Like academic reading is dead. You know, like people oh don't, God. yeah, people it's don't, Nietzsche. people don't read. People don't, uh, don't have the attention spans and you can, uh, you can point a finger at social media or you can just say people haven't found the interest desire or don't have the drive, but books are dead. I don't think people man, viruses. Well, I don't think people. How many people read, bro? Like Whatever a host, they can grab one too. They will give them life. I think maybe they're not viruses. They're just malleable. No, they're, just, they're yeah, manipulable. Like they're able to use, be, use that metaphor. You know, she said viruses are dead, but they're not dead. They're just a different kind of life, and they hmm. need to have another life source to be a parasite, parasite to grab onto, kind of thing. So, you know, they can't have that essence of um, individuality. They, uh, they can't grow they can't divide or what do you call it without another host another life form yeah, can't survive so, yeah, yeah yeah they are they are kind of dead but in another way that we don't understand so to sort of say that we understand anything that's a skeptical my thing sort of comes back yeah to skepticism. but 
while there's social media and people have these ideas that you're mentioning, while there's people thinking that, okay, there's Joe Rogan, uh, there's Jordan Peterson. Why should I read a book when I can just listen to some YouTube clips, you know, and then, you know, soak up this, this information and sound intelligent. I don't think people have the patience to sit down and read a book. Um, like people at the moment, I think we've, we've moved away from that because our brains are being developed in different ways and, and they're um, being programmed and conditioned to seek immediate gratification. And we don't have the discipline to sit there and, and to read a book because it's, it's work. You know, the, and the, the highs wouldn't in general. Well, yeah. Yeah. Like, I think that's a big issue, like losing like the book. So the book is kind of like even before the television, but the book requires a lot of patience and, um, you know, uh, interpretation, right? And it's it, it's a very slow going process, but because of the time that lapses, you're able to reflect more, right? There, there it, books force you to reflect. You, you know, your eyes get a little tired. You got to close the book for a minute, think about what you read. Whereas now it's just boom, 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 information just being stuffed into your face. And, uh, you know, I think it's a whole different level. And I, yeah, I don't think people have the attention span. So what they're going to do is like, they're gonna listen to the, the the pulpit, right? They're gonna listen to the 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 person on the the sage on the stage, right? And they're not gonna read the books for themselves anymore. And this is my biggest issue. You guys know that because I, you know, you know that because of my stance on uh, the Bible, for example. Like the problem with a lot of different, like I've been to churches, is that everybody's listening to the interpretation, the sage on the stage, the pulpit's interpretation of the book, which you guys know that all of our interpretations are slightly different. So if people start getting their information, like, oh, I want to learn about Nietzsche. So I'm going to uh, listen to what Joe Rogan has to say, or Jordan Peterson has to say about Nietzsche. No, 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 no. This is the, this is the root of the problem is that people don't have the patience to do it themselves, you know? Uh, and that is, that is so destructive because we're being told how to interpret things. Okay. Um, it's like movies and books, right? The books are always better. We know that because we are interactive players. We paint the pictures. We imagine the scenarios. Whereas a movie is just one or two or three people's interpretation of a story. And it's not what you see. Stephen, you know, because you studied literature, you all read the same book and then you have discussions about it and you, you get shocked by other people's perceptions. You go, holy shit, I did not see that oh my God, what a profound experience. Now I have to reread this book. I got to think about this because that was amazing. That's gone. The discussion is gone. Now it's, we can discuss a movie, but again, that's not the text. That's not the original. That's not the seed. It's not the pure food. It is the engineered food, right? It is the pesticidal food. It is the food that we're consuming that is being force fed to us depending on what the um, sage on the stage believes and wants us to believe. I so that's, that's, that is my biggest, you know, I, I hope the book's not dead. I, I, I feel that it, it's dying for sure. It's not dead yet, but I mean, I feel like it's dying. And with that is going to become the dying of the light, you know, um, of wisdom and patience and, um, you know, the ability to take on tasks, like to read the Republic, dude, you have to really invest. And then that's just like one, like one lens, right? It's Plato's lens, Plato's philosophy. 
So to read the Bible, holy shoot. Do you, I, I had to say shoot instead of shit because I mentioned Bible, you know, hey, hey, hey. But anyways, <laughs> but anyways, no, my point is, is like, if you can't read that, you shouldn't be claiming to be a Christian. Like, I'm sorry. Like, that's bad for me to say. I apologize to all those Christians out there. But all I'm saying is that you have to read the words of your was, prophet. You, you know, you can't, you, can't, you can't listen to one person's perception on it. You have to listen to a multitude and you have to do it on your own. You have to undertake that endeavor, that journey into the desert on for your like own. a thousand years or you'll never the, understand the church okay there's so many things that you sort of sort of said but for a thousand years it was kind of held away from people you know it was kept in latin which wasn't even the original text you know saint jerome re retransl retranslated the text from the greek into latin and um it was sort of kept for the the church the whatever the pastor i don't know the, the catholic church's sort of system but for the, the preacher to sort of have the information um to do everything kind of I, again, like it's a secretly behind the scenes that the people wouldn't understand. I, from my understanding of the Middle Ages was you go to church with everyone else on that Sunday and he'd be saying everything in, in Latin um, and people wouldn't really understand what he was saying, you know, reading from the original text. It wasn't until, you know, um, I can't think of his name, the, the English trans translated the translation of the, of the Bible. Um, either way, you know, it was until the Reformation sort of began that we kind of took that information back and you sort of talk about knowing things I talk about skepticism again you say knowing something for for what it truly is you know for something that i knew 20 years ago i know in a different way that today so you know if i was to read the republic i felt like you'd have to read so many other sources and understand where he's coming from even the bible or whatever you're reading understand the the, the mindset yeah, of the day the historic you need to know the historical the, context you need context. to know what you need to know what Plato saying, studied, right? What came before him. So you got to look at it in a way that comes, you know, as if you were with him there before history sort of was a tidal wave that over, over, overwhelmed everyone. And we know everything that we know today out of our lens and look at it from his perspective and then look at it from our perspective and then everyone else's perspective. So and I'd like yeah. to argue that, you know, that we're, we're talking about the language that we didn't understand, you know, and uh, it's easy to like maybe uh, point out like, a massive entity like the Catholic Church. But I mean, it's the same with mathematicians and scientists, right? They're the ones with the knowledge, we don't have it. And then they teach us and we don't understand their language, right? All professions have what's called jargon. And jargon is a specific language that encodes uh, a specific expertise. It is in code so the masses can't understand it. So that the people that worked hard- Not so. To totally understand the topic can then become the purveyors, the the teachers, the informants of this topic. Mm -hmm. So Let's to me, I see a, I see a great correlation with the sciences to religion in that sense. Um, you know, and Latin, you know, is actually quite a common language if you think about it, because we have the Latin languages, which are French. Uh, I mean, if you're saying that they people didn't understand the Bible, but French. Portuguese, Italian, Spanish. Uh, these are all uh, Latin languages, man. So so many, many people did speak Latin. Mm. It was just the northerners who did not. The people that did not. The people that spoke German, mm. uh, English, uh, English, some Gaelic. Those were the people that didn't have access. But the whole Mediterranean basin, 
the whole Roman, like all those different languages did have access to it. John Wycliffe. John Wycliffe was the guy I was thinking of. There's another guy, but Wycliffe was the second guy to translate the Bible. I think he was, you know, on the thread of his life to translate the Bible. Yeah, but the the idea is, right, that people is, uh, they have, I guess, I think the idea that I feel like John's trying to communicate here or communicating here is that, you know, there are entities and they're custodians of knowledge, right? And if you're not, in, immersed in that industry mm-hmm. or that profession and you're not able to access that uh, that knowledge and you can't synthesize it yourself you're reliant on that external force to to process that and you 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 don't become a critical thinker by getting drip fed of others ideas so i think there's real danger in that and it's probably happening um more and more in in this day and age there's a comparison to the feudal society where they had no access to it because they were stuck in the class structure where we have access to it now, but kind of we choose not to because it's too much work. Well, that, and that's exactly right. And that's what's happening now is that we have this overabundance of, of information and knowledge. And there's so much of it. It's like sifting through it is just overwhelming. And I think people have become apathetic. It's like, you know, you can you can basically Google any major study or any great, you know, any cycle. Uh, sociological theorists take or, it for granted yeah you, mm. you can get that out you can but people don't like people aren't going to sit down and read it process it synthesize it remember it so it's kind of it's in a way it's become devalued uh, because we just want information really quickly and that's that's um i don't know it's like the other extreme because we have access to it, to it now but people don't really want it so you know mm-hmm. what does that say about us as, as people my, as as the masses right as as my heart. maybe we want to be told from the pulpit what to think maybe you don't want to maybe we don't want to process all of those ideas and synthesize maybe we maybe we just can't be bothered to sit down and read the bible because if you sit down and read the bible that's anyway. a tough text mm-hmm. yeah that's a tough text to read number one it's long mm-hmm. Number one, it's it's um it's got difficult. Um, What's it mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's got lots of literary devices. It's got um archaic or like older style, yeah, you know, really lang- language. You you have to know the context, and then to be able to, to look at it with through different lenses, that's a lot of work. You know, it's, uh, the majority of people are not going to do that. Mm. Yeah, I had a. I'd like to say something. So, like, it's very interesting. So. You're saying that people um, don't have the patience. They're they're almost starting to want to be drip fed this stuff, right? Because there's just too much information out there. And we're doing a, well, we finished it. Actually, it's due Monday, tomorrow. Um, But we're doing a, um, uh, like, bad for the environment. So the students had to create a poster and then write an essay on something random, like the meat industry, and how that is impacting uh, in a negative way, the environment, and they you know, they're writing a discursive essay, right? So they have to like get the, the the problems with it, the negative impacts, but then they have to say, well, what what are the benefits? Like mention that there is benefits to these industries, and then they need to wrap it up. But my the, the same student Steve that I gave the cave to, who he could not understand that, like he he tried, he he repeated the story back to me, but that was it. It was like deer in a headlight. He has no capacity to like interpret that text. And I mean, he's 14 years old, so I don't really expect him to, but he'll probably never read it again unless he, anyways, my point was he came up to me and he said, uh, teacher, teacher, you know, uh, 
I, I just like, I can't find any more information. It's like, I'm, I, it's this frustrating. I was like, what do you mean? He's like, when I Google it, it's like, it's a bunch of people trying to sell me stuff. They're talking about, so his was at 7-Eleven and how does 7-Eleven impact the environment? And of course we know they have a lot of, uh, uh, no offense, 7-Eleven, but they have a lot of plastic products, this and that. And he's like, he go, he even told me, and this kid is sharp. He said, no, when I look up how it impacts, all they're telling me is the ways they've tried to correct themselves. Um, and that 7-Eleven is one of the most powerful organizations. They're owned by CP, which is like one of the biggest companies of all Thailand. They own a lot of stuff. Like, I mean, everything. And he, he said, it seems like they control the internet. That's his words, quote. And I said, yes. And this is the problem with the information age is that you have to, you know, you have to like know how to look for information because otherwise these people get bored, lack of attention span, they get bored, they turn to someone else to, to just give me this information, I can't get through this mess, can't get through it. So anyways, I proceeded to give the site colon.org.edu method of searching. Uh, and he was pretty stoked on that. And all of a sudden he started to find uh, Chualankon University studies, right? So if you use this way of searching the internet, which I didn't know, I'm 42 years old and I've known it for less than a year. Uh, but if you do, you know, your search and then site colon and then dot edu org gov, you can go straight. You will not get any dot coms. And I explained to him dot coms is commerce. It is sales. It is marketing. It is, you know, and the internet is controlled by these powerful companies. Absolutely. They pay for the ads, right? They're the only ones that can pay for the ads. You think scholars can go and pay Google to get the first link for what the, mm. you know, uh, John Wyclef uh, information. No, they're not gonna pay. They don't have money. Scholastics mm. doesn't have the money. It's these huge corporations that have, that control the internet. And also so anyways, well. this is very, very fascinating. I like that you said that because I believe that the way it's structured is people are feeling overwhelmed and they don't even want to get into it. Yeah, there's they definitely- have the energy. I read, I read this preface of a book, I can't remember, and it compares Georgia was 1984 with Huxley's Brave New World. And they say both texts work as a, as a warning, but Adox Huxley was much, much more accurate in the modern day because people are just, you know, basically in, in constant gratification of, of being doped up and drugged up. And it's kind of like, oh, you know, just this and pleasure and that. And they're not really interested in digging around for the truth because it's, it just doesn't serve our, our basic needs. And the other thing to mention to that, you know, when you're looking on the the internet, there's so much crap to sift through. Um, or the other option is you pay and you have access to academic journals and academic sites. But who has the money to, you know, to invest in, you know, in psych psychology journals, in Pilot. environmental journals, yeah, it's like science journals, like all that really good information actually costs money. That's not for free. So mm -hmm. I get a lot of, Pilot. yeah. Oh yeah, but even part it's hard because it's just all junk, right? Like mm -hmm. I have access to um, EBSCO, which is like one of the, the school websites that they use and, and library and database system. And it's fantastic. I can search academic journals, but like Google Scholar is kind of works, but they make it difficult is the point. You know, of the, uh, my argument is they make it difficult. And for you to, to like, like John's student, for him to search through and find anything of actual meaning he had to really rearrange the thought process, you know, and, and then use the internet in a way that was actually enabling uh, him instead of, 
you know, just getting ads or getting the propaganda. He wanted to give up. He wanted to give up. And this kid doesn't give up. His nickname's Kung Fu. He's a champion fighter. He's a martial artist. He's highly disciplined. And he, one of the sharpest kids was like, I'm, I'm bored. I can't do this. I can't find any good information. Mm. So that was, you know, coming from a bright student, he couldn't find the information because he hasn't been taught how. And uh, hopefully I helped him out um, and guided him. But uh, yeah, anyways, throwing it's extremely, that in Yeah, and that's extremely disheartening is you want to find good information and you can't. Like, what is the internet actually for? I think like most of the internet is is actually pornography. <laughs> to be honest, I think like 30, 40% of the internet is, is pure p- pornography. Uh, you know, someone should Google that and check. But from what I've heard from credible sources being Joe Rogan, is that you know um, it's it is that high so the majority of it is is you know is pornography there's obviously every blog is an opinion what's a blog and a podcast it's just people you know uh, communicating mm-hmm. their ideas but the yeah. world's so big these days it's so complex and nuanced you know there's so many different kinds of people out there i don't expect everyone out there to have an obsession with, with classical music like i do bach or something like that i think most people out there you know probably would go i don't even know what the hell is out there these days adele lady gaga i would i wouldn't know what uh everyday kind of people would listen to but i sort of argue that that's not even the case these days there isn't any one typical kind of person it's not even a dual duality it's plurality of individuals out there that have you know this capitalism and that is and that is perfect that is perfect for the people that are in control that is exactly what they want divide and conquer that's how you you isolate people into these little boxes and then you can control them because they don't have a network they don't have like a family that they're talking to around dinner tables anymore about the the issue of the day they're keeping it in they're keeping it to themselves and they're finding it hard to understand each other because there's so much pluralism you know it's like the grocery store you know flour is fucking flour why do we need fucking 10 brands of flour it just causes confusion and it starts making you waste time thinking about what's the better one i don't know where are we going? I don't know. Choice is great. So I don't know. So pluralism is uh, there like, you know, everything has two sides. So I don't want to like knock down pluralism and say that we need a one world order that everybody felt. No, that's not what I'm saying at all. And I'm sure I could be misunderstood and misinterpreted, but um, and misquoted. But uh, the fact is, is that when pluralism gets to this great, great level, it is divide and conquer. Everybody's controllable. There's no herd anymore. Well, there is, but the herd is from somebody that doesn't love you, like Google or Facebook or Metaverse. It is by people who don't give a shit about you and me and our children at all. Only your family Just, cares. There's more nuanced sort of groups out there. And I think um, I'd argue that, you know, that the plurality, there's a lot more individual groups out there, a lot of different people out there. There's people that you need to call them them or they or whatever the hell it is and they find their own groups which they couldn't have had before and you know um i'd say you know when i first started academic sort of my my study on my hunt my tactics on that you know i sit there for hours for days for months reading books that i didn't understand and so i'd read i'd remember sitting there reading the republic or the history of europe and i wouldn't i didn't know who clovis was or merovec or um polymarchus or these names but i sat there and for hours and months i'd do these things which 
with for no reason at, at the time but it took that long for me to come to a point now that i understand it so it's 20 something years of patience and perseverance that i knew i didn't know i was going to sort of come out the other end but i sort of just trusted that being in contact with that I'd, I'd eventually understand it and it has taken a long time and now i kind of i look back at things and i could read a book or listen to an audio book or lecture series and um you know there's bound to be i it's very rare to find you know a similar um, analogy of myself out there in, in, in society when I meet people every day but every now and again I'll meet someone that's similar to me but I can more easily probably find you know a site on the internet with similar interests you know philosophy and stuff like that if I wanted to meetup.com and meet them in reality too sometimes yeah I would call them sub subgenres and I think that like, for it. yeah subgenres can be something that can be extremely positive if you're connecting with mutual uh, interests and and you're you're, ex you're expressing your identity through that through that um well through that group mm -hmm. through that process yeah like it's it's it can be extremely positive i don't know what do you see as the harm in that john in the sense of like or why can that be dangerous or do you think that's polemic i think you know it's a very complicated uh topic or subject to discuss but i i do believe i mean you know i love diversity i love diversity that's why i studied anthropology you know uh, and that's why i live abroad is because i love the diversity of humanity the different perceptions of people but when they become fragmented and fractured into such small groups i feel that that's very polemic because then you have a lot of outsiders everybody feels like an outsider instead of like a responsible uh, family, human family member, right? Uh, so I, I like, okay, so I like creativity. I like um, independent thought and thinking, and I love the diversity of ideas, music, religion, food, uh, up and down. I love it. Uh, do I feel there's a danger when there's these small subgroups? Uh, sure, there could be, right? If the ethical and moral compass is broken, then yes, of course. Um, as long as these smaller groups understand that they belong to a bigger family and everybody needs to love each other, that's good enough for me. It's when the hate starts to boil over and you know the minorities start to hate the, the majorities or the majorities hate the minorities and this type of conflict, I really despise and I, you know, I pray against all the time. Um, so in a nutshell, I like, I like, like I said, I love diversity. I love creativity. I love unique thinking. And I think people should be allowed to do it. However, as long as they're not hurting other people, um, they should be allowed to do it. If you start hurting other people or degrading other people, well, then you're going to get on my shit list. Yeah. Interesting thing about the modern day, like this um, social media and, you know, it's kind of allows the geopolitical world to be together all at one time. You know, you see these, um, what do you call it riots or things happen in a country like um iran or some place that we'd consider totalitarian or something and these people have a voice to sort of throw to the outside world and we can all be a part of that kind of thing so um i forgot what you were saying but something about you know the outsider um too many small little groups but you know it's sort of it allows for those people back in the day who back in the day who you know didn't have a voice or who weren't allowed to be who they were to sort of be who they are, I guess, to communicate, to meet up with other people. So can you imagine being gay a hundred years ago or whatever, 200 years ago, or being uh, transsexual or whatever it is 
20 years ago, you know, I don't know what your, my, your opinion on that is, but I feel like, you know, it's a bit more empathetic to those people. It allows them to meet up and interact and not always in a beneficial way, but it allows for it. Yeah. Well, I guess it like, well, to maybe to add to John's point, maybe it's, it's when people get together and, and try to perpetuate division instead of try to celebrate their differences. Maybe that's a way mm. of putting it. Um, and that's, that's a problem when, you know, it's, it becomes them versus us. Uh, that that's a real problem. I read an article the other day, just a news article about how there was a Hindu in India, there was Hindu religious leaders, basically, um, they were inciting violence saying that, you know, they should take up arms and kill like the 1 million Muslims that are in the in the country. And if everybody mm. did it, they could just eradicate them really quickly. And that would solve the problem. Uh, and the government was kind of like a bit quiet about it because they didn't, but at the same time, they, 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 they denounced it and they said, Oh, you know, it's a bad thing. You know, it's, it's obviously that happens anyway. It's, it's, it look, yeah, it's the best and worst of human nature, you know, like in Cuba, they didn't have the internet basically, or, or 15 years ago, they had a very, very limited um, version of the internet. You know, 10, seven years ago, they got a much better version that was, you know, only can be used in parks and stuff. And um, they've been very vocal because they can see how other people live and they realize they're being quite oppressed and they've obviously always known that. Uh, but then they have a voice to, to create a little bit of activism and make change. But yeah, it's, I don't know, man, it's like, if I was to wrap this up and say like final thoughts, I guess about what I'd say to young people, it would just be like, you know, like, like you said, Alan, you can't turn back the clock. You're not going to be able to pull the pin, John. It's just a matter of use it with, by being very aware that um, are you controlling it or is it controlling you? And are you willing to pay the price, the, the time and the price is really your time, which is a, a limited resource uh, and invest your energy into something that you might not be getting really anything back on the contrary it might be taking a lot from you but more from you than what it gives you and if the answer is yes you know what it's your fucking life fuck it up and do whatever you want with change it, it. you know like it, it really is your life you know what else can i say like it's if you make that decision um consciously then you you it's your prerogative to spend every single uh, second of your time that you're not obligated to be somewhere else on, on social media or on your phone. You can do that if you want, but are you willing to pay the price? If you are, then I'll take my metaphorical hat off to you and enjoy your life. But the this would eventually bleed back into society. So remember, we're like one big family. We're one unit. I know that we are individuals, but we, we share this earth. We share this space. And, you know, if people are suffering in our neighborhood, it's going to impact us. Absolutely. Guaranteed. So this is, so we can say, we can say, oh, you know, uh, if you want to fuck up your life, go ahead. But I don't know, man. I, part of me disagrees with that. Like I see the thing about my nature is I can see both sides and I can argue both sides. I can argue both right now for you, but I'm not going to because you've already laid it down. Um, I think both of you, I'm going to take the opposite. Oppos I'm going to take the oppositional stance at the moment and say, no, they can't just do what they want because it's going to affect their relatives, which have, and their relationships, which is going to create disharmony within houses, which bleeds out into neighborhoods, which bleeds out into cities and societies and then into the world in general so i think that 
The world needs people, leaders. I do. And I, and I believe in, in independence and freedom. But this is the paradox, you guys. I believe in those things, but I believe in shepherding. I believe in leadership and that we need strong leaders and we need teachers. We need great parents. And you know what? We can't do this alone. We cannot do this alone. And I know the internet's here. I know that social media is here and that's okay. I said, pull the plug, right? And that's just because it would be easier. But the truth is, is we can't do that. I, I'm not rich. I'm weak. I'm a surf on the tide to the land of the school desks, you know? And uh, basically, I think we need teachers. And this is going to be something that we're going to see. And I'm going to go out on a limb. Like, I don't want to say a messiah or something like that. But we need a Gandhi, an MLK, a Jesus, somebody to come up and really guide people in this new frontier, this new world, because it is a new world. It's not the same as the Christian era. This isn't this isn't AD anymore, you guys. This is technology, right? Like this is a whole different era in human history. And we don't see it because we can't reflect too far back on it. Right now we're in the mix. We are saturated. We are trying to swim in an ocean larger than a universe. And it's gonna take a few people to, to that are compassionate and loving and caring to be father figures that get in there and really try to guide the people, try to guide the children, try to take care of the women, help the women. But you can't do this through oppression. You have to do it through good questioning, through examples, modeling, um, and a lot of like, a lot of hard work. We know being a father is a lot of hard work, but it's going to take great fathers to come up and redirect us. I don't want to get rid of the internet. I love it. I love everything I can do on it. I am just worried that of the dark side. So that's what I'm going to say. Like we need a leader. We need, we need shepherding. We need governance of some sort. We need compassionate people that want the best for us, even when we don't know what's best for us. And this goes especially for adolescent children. Yeah. And I think one argument to add to that is that, do we have an ethical responsibility as a, uh, to be a good citizen? Yeah. And I think that we do. Like I said, there's the individual, right? The family, the household, the neighborhood, and it just goes out. It's like, you know, it's like a solar system, right? We're all in this together and we're all revolving around one force, one well-being. And that is the goal, right? Uh, the goal is to end suffering, right? To, to minimize suffering to the best of our ability. And that includes our, our neighbors and our friends and our, you know, it, it includes people we don't even know. And I do believe, Stephen, that it is an ethical responsibility, but only for those especially who really believe in this right? Uh, some people aren't going to understand. And this is where great storytelling goes to work. You know, and it's going to take the greatest storyteller to come get us back on track. I, I'm not saying get rid of anything. I'm saying get us back on track. And yeah. And, and I believe in the, in the ethical responsibility personally, but I don't, it's like, but I feel like it's kind of like a vaccine. Like you want to encourage people to take it. But the moment you start telling people that you should be taking it and you're going to mandate they do it. I don't know if we can take away that choice. They should, people should always have the choice. But yeah, should we encourage them to be a good person uh, and be a good ethical citizen to be a strong example and have good leaders? Yeah, I, I believe that. And I did say that earlier. Um, so I think that's a strong argument that you pose because if we're all apathetic, then what sort of people do we want 
what are we what are the examples that we have for our children i think that's that's a strong argument and maybe um yeah i think that's a good way to finish that's a very positive way to finish this podcast in the sense of maybe we should strive to do better yeah yeah always continue to question everything yeah i I love the example of the vaccine i think that's very accessible in today's world um because it's it's fresh it's right in front of us right and the moment you start forcing something down someone's throat they don't want to because they're skeptical right we, we become skeptical when it seems like it's being forced when we're being oppressed uh so you know this is a conversation that like there there could have been a better way to promote vaccination but all these mandates made it uh hard to accept for a lot of people there's a lot of people in the world like alan and myself and all of us really that are skeptical i am a skeptic and uh you know i don't uh, you know part of me hates that i was forced to be vaccinated because i know my immune system strong enough i know that i was i i'm okay with it and if i would got sick whatever but here's the thing is like uh, I, it's not just about me it's about my school. It's about my family. It's about protecting everybody around me and letting them know that I accept the story that they accept. Um, because if I don't do that, who am I, right? Um, but there's a way to tell stories that are very inviting, right? And then there's a way that is divisive and pushes people into dark corners where they don't want to, uh, you know, they don't want to come out and, and have discussions. So I think that was a great point, man. Excellent. And yeah, I think that our goal on this life is just to be better human beings and to look out for others, not just our families, uh, but also our neighbors and our communities as a whole. Mm. You say skepticism, and that's pretty much what you just said, you know, um, postpone belief, but still ancient skepticism anyway. You know, you think about in my head, I postpone believing in anything as absolute because I don't really know it for what it truly is. It's all through my own perspective and my own lens. But still I go out, I close the door every day when I walk out into the conventional world and I have to behave by the conventions of society. And you say that you you knew that you were healthy enough to not you know be affected by the virus. Um, I, I don't know if I, if I would have not been healthy enough to um, not get killed, die from the virus or whatever. But I know from my study and research of history of you know, uh, virology and that kind of thing that um, vaccinations work and they've got a long history and um, I can't think of the guy that originally did it, but um, you know, the history behind it is causal, causal based you know, science. So um, if, I had, if I got a cold and then I got the COVID virus, you know, it might've been the two things that might've been enough to kill me or I might've got pneumonia and then the COVID virus. So I wasn't sure, but enough of, again, the science was enough to convince me to get the vaccine. And then again, the convention also, as you said, my, to live up to the social, um, what do you call it? Um, unity, you know, absolute sort of values of my society. Um, I did it for that. So, yeah, I kind of believed enough that it would work in, in the skeptical sense. And also by the conventions, as you, as you said. So Yeah. And, and I think always question. we all have choices, right? And we all have different perspectives, but um, ultimately we, we want people to make decisions based on them wanting to be good people, I think, and wanting them to be, to benefit the, not just the individual, but the collective. And that's not always 
easy to do and maybe the stories help uh, education helps science helps or whatever story narrative it doesn't really matter as long as we're encouraging people to do the right well to protect each other or to be thinking not just about themselves but about the the collective right but i don't know i don't think you can i don't think you can do much more than that you, you know you, if you're a teacher or a, someone in authority a government a position a politician um, I think you have an ethical responsibility to, to be a good leader and take care of people. And then hopefully, hopefully people um, follow and respond. yeah, respond and take care of themselves. And the world is a little bit better, but I don't know. You can't solve all the, the world's problems in one yeah. day, but I think we had a good crack at, at social media. <laughs> Attack. And it's, it's an ongoing process, you know, I don't know if the solution will ever be fully fulfilled, right? It's just, it's, it's part of nature, right? To, the continue the struggle, uh, the struggle will continue. And when we solve, if we can ever actually solve a problem, a new one will arise. So I think it's just to stay grounded, to stay focused on helping each other, you know, be happy and uh, we'll just address one issue at a time, you know, one step up the mountain at a time. Um, but I don't think that, you know, I don't really believe in a utopic society, because if you look at nature under a microscope or with your own eyes, you see it's a constant struggle, an endless struggle, right? Driven no by way. fire and uh, calmed by water. So, um, yeah, no, this is a great discussion, you guys. I feel like there's still more to be unpacked. Um, I think that we can elaborate on the metaverse and we can get into health risks and stuff. But I think this was an excellent discussion. I thank you guys for that. Yeah, likewise. I it's it's um, I think the discussion's important because at least uh, there's lots of ideas that are being shared, and you know, I guess it just helps even myself process something that is a little bit complicated, and and uh, maybe I'm going to have a little bit more patience when I I see my my students on their phones and and people and the everyday person like just scrolling and just be like, well, I kind of you know I get it, I definitely get it. I think there's a lot of loose ends that we've left kind of open, but, um, you know, my, my sort of the, the way I look at it, the way I'm, the reason why I'm skeptical is because why do I think I have the answers just because, you know, I'd, I'd read Plato or Socrates, Aristotle or, um, Spinoza and someone else would rather watch, um, some TV show or two people acting, you know, some fake reality on, on, on Facebook. Um, as you said, as long as we look, look after each other, try to do good, that's all that really matters at the end of the day. And yeah, that's the only true kind of um, absolute kind of philosophy I have is, you know, we all should be good to each other, look after each other, whatever good means, you know, not harm each other, help each other. Nice. That's all. That's nice. The answer to life. Good way to end, Alan. Good way to end. Amen, brother. <laughs> good way to end. Gentlemen, thanks for the chat.